What's happening, hardscapers? This is episode 93 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk to you about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. And today we have Tom Gardaki, the Dirt Ninja, on the show. You would know him from Instagram, YouTube, his expert excavation services that he offers as a co-owner of New Era Excavation. And I also want to say a very special thank you to Jobber for sponsoring today's episode. Go check them out at boostbyjobber.com to apply for their new grant program. I'd love to see somebody from this community get in on that so i could follow up with you and see how that money that you earn from that has changed your business and without further ado let's jump into our interview here with tom gardaki today we're joined by tom gardaki he is the co-owner of new era excavation but you'd most likely know him as the expert operator at the dirt ninja on instagram youtube wherever you can find him online Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tom, let's get started to get to learn how you became the Dirt Ninja. Where did this start? Uh, give us a kind of a, a background about yourself and your evolution towards what you have become online, both online and in your business. Um, so I grew up uh, in a family-owned hardscaping business. Uh, my parents, uh, my dad, Bill Gardaki, who some of your listeners might know and taking classes from, uh, ICPI classes, NCMA classes, and a whole bunch of other classes that he does. Um, that's my father. Uh, so they own, uh, interstate landscape and I grew up in the business. I've worked, uh, every summer of my life, uh, since I was 10 for them, um, and went to college, uh, and after college, worked for them full-time, uh, and kind of progressed through and uh, decided to start my own excavation business. So I actually don't do hardscaping currently. Um, I do excavation work full-time uh, for myself, uh, but started that five years ago with a partner, uh, and it's been going great. And as far as the online presence, um, I really started on YouTube back in, I think it was 2010, so like 11 years ago. It's been a long, long time. Um, and just started uh, play, putting up videos from work. So if you go way back, you'll see you know a whole bunch of landscaping videos, hardscaping videos, um, and kind of progressed um making those videos and making them better and kind of changing the content and doing different things on there. And, um, it really started to take off when I put up a, uh, a, a video of me stacking two beer bottles on top of each other and then putting a golf ball on top of it with our mini excavator. And, uh, the video went viral and I think it's up to like 2 million views now. And I got, a lot of publicity from that on like local news stations and it really helped me uh with the online presence and really i think i only had like about maybe a thousand followers and then that video happened and you know i was i gained i think like ten thousand followers from that one video so it really like kind of catapulted me and put me on the map um which was super super cool i got to be on a discovery channel show because of it i got cast so it's just like kind of crazy what can happen with that. And um, now I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. So those are my, my three big ones. 
the the power of you know social media and, and what you put up there with that YouTube video, uh, it, it's a really cool and and quick YouTube video that really shows your capabilities as an excavator operator. Take us back to posting that video. How long did it take for that to kind of take off? And what was it like all of a sudden? You know, you you've been making videos for a while, seeing a video just explode like that. Uh, it was pretty wild. I, so I uploaded it. So a little backstory on the video. We, um, my parents at their shop, we do a burn pile every, uh, winter when there's snow on the ground. Cause you know, we bring back, uh, brush and shrubs and stuff that we'd rip out of people's houses and we just pile it up and then burn it in the winter. And, um, so we were, I had a friend over and we were just stoking the fire all day and we're like, ah, oh, I wonder if we can, make like a fun video. Um, and I had done some other like little trick things, but, uh, it never kind of took off. So we filmed it. Um, it only took me one try in all truth, uh, which kind of like added to it, which was pretty cool. Um, so I uploaded it that night and my friend who was with me called me at like 7am the next morning. He's like, dude, he's like, I just saw you on uh, WMER, which is the local news station that had <laughs> reposted my video. And I like, I didn't have that many followers. So I had no clue like how this works or anything. And uh, so I was like, Oh, no way. So I like go on to my YouTube page and I had, it had like 500,000 views. I was like, Holy crap. Like what is going on? And um, then my news station actually reached out through YouTube uh, through and emailed me and asked if they could do an interview. Um, and it kind of just progressed from there. It got, you know, reposted on a ton of different sites. And even I, I use Sam Adams beer bottles and they actually, I actually ripped the labels off of them because I didn't want to get, I thought I might get in trouble for like copyright or something using their beer bottles. And, somehow they recognized that they were their bottles and actually emailed me and asked for permission to repost it on their website, um, which was super cool. I, I didn't have my negotiating skills on though, so I didn't get any free beer out of it. Absolutely. That's a really interesting story. And, and even hearing like, uh, whoever says all in one shot or, or just one take uh, yep. after you pull that off in the video is really, really cool to yep. uh, set that context up. Now, uh, getting back to your roots and in, in starting in hardscaping, uh, working in your, your parents' business, is this where you kind of honed your skills as an equipment operator? What was that like and your progression throughout the years to become you know, the dirt engine where you're at now with your equipment operator skills. Does that have, has that been learned over many years working in your parents' business? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've been on heavy equipment since I was four years old. Um, I used to, I didn't run them on job sites until I was 10, but, uh, you know, my dad would get home at the end of the day and, um, you know, have to unload a truck and then reload for the next day. Um, so I'd hop in the machine and obviously started off with sitting in his lap and running the machine, running the, running the hand controls. And, um, you know, and then when I was a little bit taller and I could reach the, uh, you know, back in the day, we didn't have joysticks. So it was all hand and 
foot pedals. Uh, so once I could start to reach that, I could run it by myself. Um, and I, it was kind of funny cause I never, the old machines had, um, like a weight restriction. So you had to, I can't remember what it was, but I never met, I'm a really skinny guy anyway. So I, <laughs> I never met the weight requirement when I was really young. So we used to put a 50 pound bag of grass seed in the seat. And then I'd sit in front of the grass seed, so it would like prop me up, and I could reach the pedals, and it would also turn off turn off the weight sensor in the machine, so I could run it. Um, so it was kind of funny, and started running the jobs, running the machine on job sites when I was ten, um, and kind of just it's what I really like to do, and I you know I'm still doing it today. Um, I have a ton of fun with it. Uh, I enjoy what I do. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, the family business. Obviously I had a great opportunity. Um, I'm 33 now, you know, there's probably not very many people who are 33 that have the amount of seat time that I do. And it's just cause I was fortunate and grew up in a family business. You know, a person just randomly on the street, isn't going to be able to hop in a machine when they're four or 10 or something like that. Um, so that's kind of really how I got into it. So when you go off to eventually start your own business, what made you want to get into strictly excavation as opposed to starting your own hardscaping business or or maybe even eventually taking over your parents' business? What made you go down that excavation route? Well, it's really, I've always loved running equipment. So I always thought if I could figure out a job where all I got to do is run equipment, um, every day, then I'll be extremely happy. Um, and of course, when you think of excavation, you know, you think of a lot more machine work. It is, you definitely can't just sit in the machine all day. There's a lot of, you know, still labor and everything else that's involved with it, but it's a lot less than hardscaping. You know, hardscaping is very labor intensive. Um, a big thing with my parents' business is they would invest in literally any tool that would make our guys' lives easier, you know, save their knees, their backs, uh, their elbows, things like that. Um, so we had top-of-the-line tools, everything you would ever want as a hardscaper, um, and it's still very hard on your body. You know, my dad had, um, I think he's had knees replaced. I know his uh, elbow surgeries, wrist surgeries, um, you know, it, it takes a toll on your body. Um, and I always thought that if I could make it work with the excavation, um, you know, in theory, it's a, a lot easier on your body. Um, we'll see how that actually plays out, <laughs> but, um, I just, I really had the passion for running equipment and I really wanted to do something that I could run equipment every day is truly the, the, the reason behind it. So getting into more of the business aspect, what made you want to enter into a partnership? What was the benefits there for you, your partner and in the business to enter into that partnership? Um, well, we started the business, um, when we were both working part-time, uh, meaning my parents do a four-day work week. Um, so I would be able to do our jobs on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when we needed to. And then my partner, Craig, um, worked Monday through Friday with another excavation company. And 
uh, could work Saturday and Sunday. So we started like really just part time and we started working for one builder and kind of built it from there. Um, and the reason why, um, we kind of teamed up, we actually own another business, uh, uh, rental properties. Um, so I had known Craig for a really long time. I'd been in business with him already. Um, and there is nothing that can strain a business relationship than owning rental properties and dealing with tenants together. <laughs> um, so I went to college with Craig. We did the same. We did both did construction management and business management classes. Um, so I had known him for a really long time. Uh, obviously, being in business together, you get to see, you know, the other side of not just friendship, but, you know, can you really work with this person? How are they with money and planning and like all those types of things that are important to a business relationship and just like a friendship. Um, so I had always kind of wanted to do my own thing. Um, and he did as well. So we thought, why not give this a shot? Um, and to be honest with you, he is really the one who knows everything, I guess you would say about excavation. Cause I just worked for my parents. I knew, yeah, you won't, you want to do a, anything hardscaping wise. I know exactly how to do that. But, you know, we're talking about putting in sewer, uh, water lines, drainage, uh, you know, grading for houses and things like that. Like septic systems. I had never done any of that. You know, I could run the equipment really good, you know, but I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, so we, we kind of came together and, um, you know, put our, our knowledge together to start the company. You know, I know how to do it all now because I've been doing it for five years. Um, but it's really how we came together with our different knowledge, um, is kind of why it kind of worked out. And we kind of have different roles, uh, cause partnerships can be very difficult, um, and we kind of, we really respect each other. Uh, we both have usually different ideas on maybe how to get something done. Um, but we talk about it and, you know, figure out, we both know that we can be wrong. Um, so we're very good at, you know, listening to each other, making decisions together. Um, we're, I think we're pretty good at that, which I think makes it work for us. So what does it take to run a successful partnership because you know either, either they can be really fruitful or they can really strain uh whether you're friends beforehand and strain that relationship and it ends in disaster or you know they become really fruitful and and you're able to run an, a very su successful business together uh what what do you attribute the success uh of your partnership to this point and and what advice could you give those maybe thinking about entering a partnership together in this industry or already in a partnership? I would say if you're thinking about entering into one, um, try and go into business with somebody who is not like yourself. Um, because I think if we were like the same person, we would probably clash a lot. Um, but like I was saying, we have different ideas on how to do things. We'll listen to each other. We have different knowledge backgrounds. Um, obviously, if you're already in a, in a partnership, then it's a little different. Um, but you got to just be able to work together. You got to respect each other. 
Um, you know, we both have different roles. I think that's very important that we don't really, and we don't really get involved with each other's roles. Like we are always, obviously the communication has to be very good. Um, so we both are on the same page about things, but like, for instance, um, you know, I'm usually running a piece of equipment. Um, I deal with all of the phone calls. So like phone calls with customers, new customers, current customers. So we work for a lot of builders, um, you know, and typically we're the first one on site and one of the last ones to leave besides the landscaper. Um, and we're in and out intermittently. So whenever somebody needs something, they're always calling me so I can make the schedule. Um, I do the books, uh, and then Craig does all the like ordering of materials, dealing with suppliers, um, making sure like equipment gets picked up on time and delivered to where it's going. Um, and he's also the very like technical one of reading plans and making sure I'm digging where I'm supposed to be digging and, and things like that. So we have different roles and I think that's really why, uh, it works. And we don't really try and step on each other's toes. It's like, okay, you do this and that's what you're doing. And I trust you to do that correctly, you know? And it, I think it's the same way with him, with me. Now, coming from a background of working in the family business, were you able to draw any anything from that business and your time spent there and maybe even behind the scenes with your parents? Were you able to draw any learning points that you were able to transfer into your business right now and, and kind of uh, and grow from there from starting that business? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I learned a lot about what it takes to run a successful business. They were in business for 45 years, I think. Um, they actually just retired uh, last year. Um, so, you know, you learn a lot with that. You know, my mom did all the books. So my mom taught me how to do my books, um, which to me, the books is almost as important as actually doing the work in the field because you can be the best, you know, excavation guy or hardscape installer, but if you can't do the books on the back end, then it can all fall apart. Um, so it's, that's very important. Um, we got really our philosophy. We're, we're heavily invested, like very heavily invested in, um, machines, equipment, attachments, and things like that, that make our life easier. And I really got that from my parents' philosophy. Um, as I said earlier, we had every single hardscaping tool with my parents' business that you would ever want to make your life easier. And you can really see, like it showed me the efficiency gains and all the bonuses to investing in tools for your guys. Um, so we're trying to carry that over with our excavation business right now. Um, I think we're doing a really good job of it. Um, you know, we're investing in tilt rotators and all grade control system, Trimble grade control systems for all our excavators. Um, you know, so we're just, it's all about trying to be more efficient with us. Um, so that's definitely something I, I picked up from them. And then probably the, uh, the other big thing was, um, my dad actually had a really bad stroke, uh, 
four or five years ago now. Um, it was after I graduated college, so I was working full time. He's fine now, um, but it basically put him out of work uh, for the whole summer. It happened in uh, May, I think, or March, March or May. So right at the beginning of our work season here in New Hampshire. And um, I basically went from being the head foreman of the company to running the company, you know, with my mom. Um, but my mom never did any like estimates or scheduling or dealing with customers. She just did the back end. She did all the books. So um, I kind of got thrown into that, uh, which was very stressful. But at the same time, looking back on it, um, it was good, I guess. I mean, my dad had a stroke, so obviously right, that wasn't right. good. But what I learned out of it was good, you know, because I got all of a sudden I'm returning people's phone calls. Uh, I'm going out to do estimates that I've never done an estimate in my life before. Uh, so it was, you know, my parents already had all the pieces in place. So I already had like the estimate forms, like I had all that to work off of. Uh, but then you're actually going out and doing it and, you know, just how to deal with customers and on estimates and stuff like that. So that was a great, uh, you know, learning experience. I want to take a break from today's episode to thank our sponsor, Jobber, and I'm excited to share Boost by Jobber, Jobber's new $100,000 grant program, which is built to help launch, grow, and strengthen small home service businesses. Wherever you are in your business journey, you are invited to apply for grants ranging from $1,000 to $20,000, and in August 2021, Jobber will be announcing 20 recipients. They'll be following along with your story, how the funding has impacted your business, and whether you're seeking new equipment, marketing dollars, launching a new service, you are invited to apply. The application only has two questions and an optional video, and I urge you to do that optional video. And you can go to boostbyjobber.com to learn more about this application. And if you're listening to this after May 5th, I still encourage you to go check out Jobber software. Jobber builds award-winning job tracking and customer management software for home service businesses. Now back to our episode. You've mentioned investing into equipment and tools to really reduce that that labor uh, many times in this interview. So let, let's get into some of this right now. And starting with uh, the evolution of equipment that you've seen since you've been operating since you were four years old, uh, from, from those times till now, wh what are the biggest advancements that you've seen with these pieces of equipment that you're operating right now? And how that has changed in, in the things that, that amaze you the most with the, the technology available to us with these pieces of equipment? Uh, it has changed tremendously. Um, I started out, I learned how to run, an, I guess you'd call it an excavator, on one of those backhoe attachments on the front of a skid steer that nobody uses anymore. Uh, so that's how I learned how to run it, in an open cab skid steer, uh, and we got, then we progressed to an open cab excavator and then finally got a nicer, you know, enclosed cab mini excavator. Um, you know, and the same thing with the skid steer is you start out with hand and foot controls. Uh, you know, you run that all day and you look, you feel like you just had a, uh, you know, an MMA fight basically <laughs> at the end of the day, cause you're so beat up from running the machine. Um, you know, all the way till now you got, uh, I mean, we got heated air ride seats in our skid steers now with, you know, Bluetooth radio and the whole nine yards. Um, 
so there's been a, a huge, you know, change obviously in just the whatever, 25 years that I've been running equipment. And, um, but it's really recently, um, I would say it's all the add-ons, at least in the excavation side, it's all the add-ons to an excavator. Um, because an excavator in the excavation world is, you know, basically the king machine. Um, and even, to be honest with you, when when I was doing the hardscaping, it, uh, the mini excavator was our most used piece of equipment. We had a, one mini excavator, a five-ton, and then a uh, tracked uh, skid steer. And uh, the, the mini excavator had uh, about twice as many hours as the skid steer on it, you know, from doing hardscaping work. Um, so yeah, I mean, now you have all these different attachments that you can put on, you know, we run tilt rotators, uh, which are just an unbelievably huge time saving and labor saving tool. Um, you know, you can place material exactly where you want it. Um, it just eliminates like handwork and shoveling and things like that. Um, and then you've got you know, we run great Trimble grade control systems on every single one of our excavators. They're just 2D, so two-dimensional. Um, it basically just does depth. Um, so you, it eliminates that person from checking grade um, or you as the operator, like, hopping in and out to check grade. Um, so there's just been a lot of advancements. And, and we're a very small, the excavation, excavation business is very small. Um, it's myself, my partner. We have one employee. Uh, and then we actually hired our second employee who's going to start in April. Um, but we do a lot of work. You know, if you follow me on Instagram, like people have a hard time even like following along because we're at so many different job sites. We're averaging running like nine house lots at one time going on all at various different stages and none of them are in the same neighborhood. So it's not like we just have nine all in a row. So they're all over New Hampshire um, and Northern Massachusetts. Um, so we have to be very, very efficient on our time and what we get done. And, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm by myself or my partner's by my, by himself. So, when we can save ourselves from huffing out of the machine and shoveling for an hour um, by just doing it with the machine in five minutes, you know, that starts to really add up and really lets us do way more work than a normal company our size. Definitely. And I'm, I'm sure these attachments, especially when you're traveling around that distance, you have that much to cover uh, and you want to get, you want to be as efficient as possible when you're on that job site that uh, investing into these, these add-ons uh, allow you to hire less because especially in, in the labor shortage that we're experiencing, but also take advantage of that time when you're on site and to use every minute that you have, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's making the most of the time that you're on site. It's uh it's kind of funny once you cuz we still rent equipment and usually when we rent they don't have any of the, you know, fancy things that I guess you'd say that we have on our equipment and you know, you you get used to running the really nice stuff and then you got to go rent something that's just, you know, your normal excavator and you're like, "Oh my god, I would have been done this job, you know, 2 4 hours ago." Something like that, you know. So that's when you really realize, you know, how much faster it makes you. So we're just trying to we're trying to 
be, we're not trying to grow fast. We're trying to be as efficient as possible with the people that we have before we go and invest in more people. Mm-hmm. So we kind of want to make sure we maintain our efficiencies mm-hmm. rather than, you know, it's like you can do more work by investing in these efficiencies or you can do more work by investing in more people. Right. Um, and we're trying to do it by investing in tools. Um, you know, the reality of it is, is like you said, there, there's a labor shortage. Um, to be honest with you, less and less people want to do work in the trades. It's not just excavation or hardscaping. It's electricians and plumbers and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's less people to pick from. And if you can get somebody to come work for you, uh, having all these things that make their life easier uh, is a huge draw uh, to get people to come work for you. Um, you know, using all these these technologies to make their life easier, it, it definitely helps out. Do you see these add-ons being a major benefit to the hardscape industry? Did did you did your parents have these add-ons on their their equipment, or w- would you say recommend somebody who may be struggling with with hiring and might have the cash flow to to start investing in these add-ons to their equipment? Would you would you recommend that to them to at least look into it? Absolutely, and it's not just you know, especially with hardscaping. You know, there's just small things that can help you pick up pavers easier. You know, it's in the hardscaping world. uh, I think we all know, like I was saying, how labor intensive it is. So anything that you can do to make your guys life easier, Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to greatly appreciate it. And it's going to make you as the business more efficient, which should make you more money. Um, You know, it's, uh, if if you can make your laborer's job easier, maybe they won't even be faster, but it made their job easier. They're going to keep like the same pace all day working rather than work really hard for the first two hours and now they're really tired. So now right. they're really slow for the whole rest of the day, right? Or maybe they lugged all those pavers by hand one day and then the next day they got no energy because they burnt themselves out. So now you can invest in these tools that make your li- your laborers lives easier and they're going to show up every day and maybe more be more, you know, energetic and, you know, willing to work and do these jobs for you if you have all these nice tools. And it's also a great thing to entice people to come work for you say hey look like look at all these things that we have to make your life easier you know doing this work we realize it's hard work but look at what we you know we're investing in our tools and in reality we're investing in our people by having these tools i couldn't have said it better and obviously you have tons of experience uh, as an operator uh I'm going to put you on the spot then here and ask you, you know, seeing things online, seeing things in person, what are some things that you see people do with their equipment that just makes you cringe or just makes you <laughs> lose your mind and want to tell them like, what's, what's what? Um, you know, the, the thing that cracks me up the most is plowing videos. Yeah. Uh, because like, 
if you've plowed in your life, you can watch somebody plow for literally 30 seconds and you know if they've plowed or not before. Uh, because there's definitely way more to it than just push the snow in one direction, you know, to do it correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I see a lot of very bad plowing videos. Um, I would just say to people that be careful just because people have a lot of followers on the internet doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. So I would just suggest to people, you know, do research before you really, you know, do research on the person, on whoever's posting it on their business or, or whatever, and really look into to some of these people that have a ton of followers um, who might be posting some things that maybe aren't the best way to do things. Um, I don't know. You, there's always – the thing about social media is you only get a very small snippet, right, of what somebody is doing because I get it all the time. You know, I'll post a 30-second video on Instagram, and I get a ton of comments, oh, you're an idiot. Why are you doing it like you should have done it like this, or you should have done it like that? You know, everybody's an expert. Yeah. But you really only get that really small snippet of the job site, so it's very hard to judge people, you know, based off of just those small snippets or a picture or something like that. You don't know what's going on on their job site. It might They might have to do it that way because of job site conditions or you have to do this, you know, a lot in hardscaping, it's like sequence, right? It's like, okay, I have to do this first because then I have to do that. Or we only have one access into the backyard. So you have to build your way out, which is not necessarily the way that it should be done, but for this job, it has to be done that way. So, um, it's hard. It's, I get it all the time. It drives me nuts of, of people, questioning but i mean it is what it is it's what happens if you, if you want to be on social media you gotta and you want to not even if you don't want to have a lot of followers that was never like my goal i just wanted mm -hmm. to have fun um you know if you end up getting a lot of followers you're gonna get a lot of people just commenting you know negatively so it just comes with the territory so speaking of social media what what was what was your initial goal with uh, posting YouTube videos and starting an Instagram channel and growing this? Was this was this just for fun for you? Were you trying, or, or has it evolved into more than that? And, and it, it's bringing in business to your company. Uh, like, what is it with with the Dirt Ninja that that keeps you posting these things? Because I mean. The videos are amazing. I don't know how you can, you know, operate and focus on that while talking, being able to narrate what you're doing. I'm a very single-minded person. My ta my mind is on one thing. I wouldn't be able to multitask like you do. It's uh, it's incredible. So if you haven't checked out the Dirt Ninja, go check them out, please. Uh, but Tom, like, w what is it with social media and yourself that that appeal with it a and YouTube, I guess? Um. So it really started off for fun to be totally honest with you. And that is why I still do it now. Now there are tons of benefits that I'm getting now because of how many followers I have. Mm. Um, but I truly honestly started for fun. I never thought I'd be, you know, hashtag famous or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I did it for fun. It really evolved. I started with YouTube. It really evolved into a tool for our business, my parents' business. Um, a lot of my videos 
uh, are time-lapse videos. Uh, so what we found was that customers didn't really realize what went into a hardscaping project. You know, they might think you show up with wheelbarrows and shovels, and that just wasn't what happened. Um, so we, I started uh, time-lapsing a lot of our jobs, which you can go online and find if you want. Um, and we ended up, like, incorporating them with the business website, and uh, it was just a great uh, selling tool for my father when he did estimates because people would call and say, hey, I want a thousand square foot patio with an outdoor kitchen or whatever they wanted, you know, say, okay, you know, I'll come out and do an estimate for you. And, uh, but in the meantime, why don't you go on our website and you know what, there's actually a job there very similar to yours. You can watch a two week job in four minutes, you know, so before my dad even got out to the job site to give an estimate, these people already know you know, they might not understand what happened, but they have a great, great idea of what is going to happen with their project. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also, uh, so I guess I'll fast forward to now. Um, it's an, I still use it as a tool for our business. Um, I get, uh, I'd say at least 10 jobs a year straight from my social media. And it's honestly probably because I reach so many people mm -hmm. um, is that is why I'm probably getting all those leads from it. Um, but even if you don't have that many followers, you can still get leads from it. Um, we're, I started last week a $700,000 road job. It's 700 feet of road. And the guy messaged me through my face, my dirt ninja Facebook page and said, I've been following you for like five years. I already know you guys do awesome work and I want you to do my project. That's incredible. There was no like negotiate. He said, I want you to do my project. Wow. So all my years of social media just got paid for from that one job that right. we just got. Right. You know, so it's, if you use social media correctly, you know, and professionally, people are going to know who you are and what your company does before they even pick up the phone to call you. Um, you know, they, they have a way better understanding of what we do, the quality of work we do, the type of work we do um, bef before they, they even call. It's almost like, uh, you know, you're like qualifying yourself to them before, before they even call you. Um, so it's just use social media, everybody out there, it's free. I mean, yes, if you want to really grow your channel and, and do the videos and things that like I do, you got to put some serious time into it. You know, everybody's like, Oh yeah, it only takes me two minutes. It's a lie. Mm -hmm. If you want to do the videos and everything, uh, it takes a lot of time. You got to put a lot of effort into it. Um, in my opinion, the, the YouTube is by far the hardest social media to grow a following. Um, there is obviously super saturated with content, so it is very hard for people to fa uh, find you. Um, it's just really hard to grab traction, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, it's not like Facebook, you can share things. YouTube, you can't share. So there's, it's a lot of limiting factors on there. Right. Um, but if you use it like if you're a hardscaper and you start making those time-lapse videos, all you need is 10 videos. And you know what? 
you leverage that social media because then you put them on your website um, and it's going to help you out with sales. You know, Facebook, Instagram, those are pretty easy. You can just put up a picture every now and then or something. Um, but everybody out there, I mean, I'm sure everybody is on there, but you should be on there and you should be investing time in it because um, it can really, really pay off. It's going to, you know, make you uh, get better relationships with people in your area. Um, you know, I had uh, actually literally this morning, I had another local contractor uh, working uh, as a subcontractor on one of my job sites and I found him through Instagram. Uh kind of the same thing I just talked about. I watched all his videos, saw his pictures, see the work that he does, knew he was top notch, uh, reached out to him. I said, Hey, just want you to do this project. This is something right up your alley. So it's a great networking tool. Um, you know, if people out there, if you are like afraid to reach out to somebody like myself or somebody else who might have a lot of followers or something, just do it and ask questions because, most of the time people are going to get back to you and answer, answer truthfully. I get so many questions about equipment and all the things that we run and I try and get back to everybody. You know, if you think about like when we were looking to buy our tilt rotator, um, we bought an Encon is the brand name. Uh, they weren't even in, or they had just entered the U S market. So nobody had them here. So how did I do my research? I talked to people in Europe who have been running them for 20, 25 years through Instagram and got everybody's opinion on them, on what breaks and what's good and what's bad about them, you know, what brand tilt rotator is better than the other. It's like, how would you have ever done that, you know, 10, 20 years ago? Right. It's, it's such a cool networking tool that you can use to talk to anybody in the world. I, I love that whole discussion there of, of leveraging social media for your business and just what you said there, networking and, and asking questions. It's such a powerful tool to, to leverage. Now, Tom, I have a few more questions for you that I always ask business owners that come on the show uh, really quickly, not to take up much of your time here. Uh, a few more that we can, burst through maybe one of these uh, might be putting you on the spot one last time here, but I have to ask it. A I'm ready. A business horror story. So I, I like to ask this because it does allow people to understand uh, another aspect of being a contractor, of owning a, a and operating a business, you know, a horror story, whether that's on site or dealing with a customer or on the back end of your business, whatever that might be. Do you have something that you would want to share as a learning point for, for our listeners? Um, all of my horror stories are with customers. And what I would say is trust your gut when you go, you need to be qualifying the customer just mm -hmm. as much as the customer is qualifying you. Um, because every problem that I'd ha I've had in the past, even whether it be the hardscaping business or my own business, um, it was people that when I did the estimate, you just get that like weird feeling of, you know, either they're going to be really difficult or they're just trying to, beat you down on price or something. And, um, and then it ends up turning into a really bad situation, you know, where we didn't get paid. Um, 
probably the worst one ever was hardscaping wise. Um, my dad actually did the estimate and he had a really bad feeling about it. Um, but we ended up to do doing the job anyways. And it was an absolute nightmare, very basic job, uh, retaining walls, um, on the edge of a driveway in the city and the customers were just, um, awful (laughs) to put it nicely. Um, very, very, very difficult people. Um, I would say probably the most difficult people I've ever dealt with. I'm an extremely patient person, like extremely, extremely patient. And, uh, I just remember my guys, uh, on the site, like looking at me and could just tell like the steam must have been coming out of my ears and they'd probably never seen that before. Um, luckily we did get paid on that job. Uh, but I have had, uh, I think two instances with the excavation business, you know, same thing, just got this bad vibe. You know what? I wanted the job. I wanted the money, uh, figured it would be okay. And it just totally bit me in the ass Mm. and you know, we didn't get paid. Um, Mm. so it happens. Um, you know, you got to just kind of learn from your mistakes, but that would be my advice. Just, just trust your gut. And if you think that the customer is going to be a pain, they probably are. (laughs) Great advice. And now I'm sure a lot of our listeners follow the dirt ninja. And if you're not, then you should be on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, but who does the dirt ninja follow? on it, social media, YouTube, whatever it may be. Uh, what are you watching? What are you looking at? What are you following? Um, so I still follow, a, a, you know, a lot of the hardscaping guys. I follow Josh from Mash Hardscapes and Andy Mulder and uh, some of the other guys in the hardscaping world. I still, you know, I really like the hardscaping and I like seeing everybody's jobs. I always liked the end result of a hardscaping job, right? Cause you can, you can see the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never liked the process up to it. Uh, with the excavation, I like the process, but the ending, you almost never see my work. Uh, you know, it's all underground utilities or just site grading or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of different. And then in the excavation world, um, like YouTube wise follow, uh, my buddy, Chris, let's dig 18. He's, uh, he is, crazy on YouTube. I wish I had as many followers as he did on YouTube. Um, I don't know. Just, I don't really, I like to follow people who know what they're doing. Um, I'm always, my whole goal with my social media, uh, since like maybe five years ago, since I really started gaining popularity was to make sure I put out good, um, informative content. Uh, there's too many people out there, in my opinion, that just want to be Instagram famous or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll put out bad information just to get follows or likes or anything. Um, I've always been very dedicated to making sure, you know, anything you see on my page, like we actually own that stuff. It's not, I'm not just out there promoting things like, you know, we use, I own that stuff and I use it every day. I'm very genuine and, um, I try and be very good about that. So those are the people that I really try and follow people who are trying to, to be on there for the betterment of the industry. 
Absolutely. And closing things out here, Tom, what is that one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the very beginning, whether that was when you really stepped into your 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 role there in the hardscaping business, doing the estimates and, and whatnot, or starting your own business uh, excavation wise? What is that one thing you know now that you, you wish you knew from the very beginning? Uh, I wish I knew probably, that's a really good question. Um, I guess I've always been surprised at how much book work there, there is, (laughs) um, to even an excavation business, you know, it's everything from the quoting of the jobs to tracking everything. And then, you know, my mom's been doing it for 45 years, so she's got it down, you know, like a machine. And it's like, you got to save all your credit card receipts and you got to match up the slips to the bills. And then you got to save it for taxes for seven years. And like all this stuff, I had no, I mean, I had a clue, but I really truly didn't have a clue of Mm -hmm. really what went into the back end of the business. And I wish I knew from the start, like how important it was to track everything uh, everything from like your cost to the job, uh, to just like making the processes easier for myself and my guys to get information back to me in the office for billing purposes and tracking purposes. And just like, you know, you get a bill for, you know, a load of stone and you're trying to figure out what job it went to. And just like, all those processes that we have now that kind of stream all, streamline all that. Um, I wish I knew that from the beginning um, because I feel like just like efficiency on the job site, you got to have efficiency in the office. And I think I'm, I'm still not great at it in the office, but I'm a heck of a lot better than when I started. And I just look back at how much time I wasted in the office, um, you know, and, and that's time away from my wife and I have a five month old right now. So it's like that time at home is so important now. Um, you know, I wish I knew that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it I think it would have made my, my life and my stress uh, a lot better back then. And Tom, I can't thank you enough for the time that you've put into this this episode, this interview. I say thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, where can our audience learn more about you, what you've got going on? Where do you want to send them to? Um, just check out, uh, you can go to thedirtninja.com is my website. Um, I have some merchandise on there if you're interested. Uh, but then it also link out to uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram and just follow me on there. If you guys have questions, uh, the best place to reach me is either through Facebook or Instagram, Instagram messenger. Um, I get a lot of messages. I promise I will get back to you. Um, but it just might take me a couple of days, but yeah, if you have any questions, reach out more than happy to talk to you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Visit us at howtohardscape.com for more information on this subject. Let us know what you, what you want to learn about in future episodes. Really loving the ideas that you are sharing with us on our social channels. We are at How to Hardscape on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you to our sponsor, Jobber, for sponsoring today's episode. Go check out their grant program, boostbyjobber.com, and get applied for that. And we would love it if you subscribe to our podcast, left us a rating and review. This really helps us get this podcast out there into more 
more people's ears, attract more great guests onto the show to deliver you more value. We look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.